Well, hello everyone and welcome to the Friday, March 10th edition of KASB's The Advocate Podcast. I'm Leah Flieger with the Kansas Association of School Boards and I'm joined by my colleagues Scott Rothschild and John Poor and our fabulous producer Alec Mandrigal. So it's been a busy week and uh, lots to talk about today. So um, I think we'll get started on probably the biggest news this week was uh, the House K-12 Education Budget Committee passed out, um, how it's called House Substitute for Senate Bill 83. And I think for the rest of the podcast, we'll just call it Senate Bill 83 for simplicity's sake. That's a voucher bill. It establishes a universal pretty much education savings accounts for families and students to use at any unregulated school in the state. And, you know, it's a very unpopular piece of legislation. So as has happened over the past uh, several years in the legislature, they paired that unpopular ESA voucher bill with a provision that would temporarily increase special education funding for a year and also uh, do a one-year teacher pay raise. So basically sweeteners or some of us, you know, it's also been called lipstick on a pig um, to, to try to get folks to vote for a voucher bill that they don't want uh, by, by pairing it with uh, temporary good things. So um, again, that bill allows students to receive a taxpayer-funded education savings account to attend any number of schools that are completely unregulated by anyone. It could be a private school, it could be a homeschool. There's lots of discussion out there about micro schools where people just kind of set up a, a school in their basement and educate a, maybe, hopefully, educate two or three kids in the neighborhood. And all of that would be uh, a tax write-off for, uh, for donors. And so, um, Scott and John, you want to talk some more about this bill and the problems with it? Well, I think as you, as you mentioned, uh, when it came out of committee, a lot of uh, sweeteners were added to the bill, but it's still a very sour bill. Uh, the, the special education uh, amendment would provide uh, 70 plus million dollars for special education, but that, that only represents one year of the governor's five-year phase in uh, to get the state back up to uh, its statutorily required level of special education funding. So uh, one year out of five, so that's uh, that's that's problematic, and uh, uh, it, it included this very uh, kind of confusing amendment. And I leave the confusing stuff to John. Uh, it was about <laughs> the teacher pay raise. John, do you want to talk about what that amendment does? Yeah, I mean, we I'll touch on it real quick. I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt across the state. Um, we had a number of board members to. I had a roundtable in house education yesterday and a lot of them echoed the message, you know, we want to increase teacher pay, but there was also kind of the caveat of their, they want kind of the local control to be able to do that. And so what, the way this amendment is structured is the increase in education state aid um, that was coming from the uh, Gannon uh, school finance lawsuit. This is the first year where the education increase will be done based off of the CPI. So this was money that uh, was expected to come to the schools, and the amendment requires 50% of that increase to go towards teacher pay raises. And so, again, so there's no doubt that teachers deserve more pay, um, but again, the issue with this increase is 
if it consumes over 50% of the district's uh, increase, um, that limits their ability to maybe address other needs or concerns in the school. Um, so one um, one conversation that came up during the Board of Education uh, board member roundtable that occurred yesterday was on the topic of paras and other support staff, um, kind of their pay rates. And uh, a lot of these support staff, you know, they help the school run in a lot of ways um, without them and their pay. I think we heard some are making $11 an hour, some are making 14 or 15 in some other districts, but the general consensus was they could go to a Walmart and make more money kind of than what they're making at the districts. Um, so when you constrain the amount of, if you constrain how much, how the district can spend their gain and increase, it kind of limits their ability to maybe address some of those other concerns. So yes, it's great that teachers are getting more pay, but um, increased cost for inflation or uh, increasing pay for other support staff, which, you know, I think in a lot of cases make a teacher's life more, uh, simple, easier to have the extra pair in the classroom helping along. Um, just the the amendment constrains some of that flexibility. So I mean, that's kind of a long-winded answer. Um, I'll let anyone <laughs> else kind of fill in. No, well, I think you covered it pretty well, but you know, a, a statewide mandate for a solution doesn't really answer doesn't really solve the problem that exists for teacher pay. Scott, you want to weigh in? Yeah, I just, you know, this is a this is the kind of amendment. It looks good on paper, but once you delve into the uh, details of it, you see how, as John explained, you know, if if you have to devote, uh, if you are required to devote a certain amount of money uh, for a certain function, then the other things that maybe you wanted to spend money on, uh, you, you can't do that. So. It kind of uh, it kind of hamstrings school what school districts can and can't do. So while the you know it it, it looks good on paper, it just in implementation it would just be uh, very very problematic. Yeah, it just doesn't pencil out, unfortunately. Right. The way that that it's intended to. So. Um, and I, I'll just I, I'll just jump in and just talk about there was an, another amendment put on there that would. You know, this uh, this bill, uh, the voucher ESA bill, uh, phases in over several years. And when it gets to the final year of the of phase in, which I think is the 26-27 school year, um, families would be eligible for these vouchers if they are making 600% of the federal poverty limit. That's six times the federal poverty limit. So that means a family of four earning $180,000 annually could be eligible for these uh, taxpayer paid vouchers. Uh, so obviously we feel that's problematic for our Kansas taxpayers who, you know, are paying for the public school system. And under this bill would have to start paying for kids from relatively wealthy families to go to private schools. Uh, so it's just a, just a, a terribly uh, inequitable uh, system. Yeah, good summary. So, what happens next on this bill? We have we know that uh, we just got the schedule for uh, Monday in the House, and uh, they are in what's called pro forma session, which means it's just a basic they gavel in and they gavel out. So, 
what we are hearing from several uh, reliable sources, shall we say, is that it's very likely that the House will debate this extremely unpopular bill, which again is Senate Bill 83, uh, probably on Tuesday. Uh, the House comes in, usually comes in around 1030 or 11 in the morning. So what needs to happen uh, for the people who are listening to this fabulous podcast? What do you need to be doing Friday and this weekend. Well, there's going to be a lot of legislative coffees this weekend. So you need to get out there. You need to talk to your members of the House of Representatives. If they don't have a coffee, then you need to contact them by email. You could hopefully call them if you have their cell numbers, call or text them. And, uh, you know, explain the problem with bundling a very unpopular ESA voucher bill, which we have heard repeatedly over the past week that members of the House do not like. They hate it you know, ex explain to them that their constituents don't like this bundling of a voucher bill with special education and with, with teacher, teacher raises, you know, it's not what constituents want. And they need to hear from that from you because uh, there's going to be a lot of what people call arm twisting or sometimes even arm breaking <laughs> over the weekend to see, you know, if members of the house will cave and, and commit to voting for the bill on Tuesday. Scott and John, anything you want to add on that? What, people need to be doing? Yeah, I mean, they need to, like you say, if you see your legislator, talk to them about this. If you don't see your legislator, email them and uh, tell a friend to email uh, their uh, also. Uh, so we can, we can try to get uh, uh, the public aware of this uh, before it gains any kind of steam. I mean, the fact that this bill is bundled with things that we all want. I mean, we, we want to increase special education. That's funding. right. We want our teachers paid uh, uh, a, a fair and, and, and equitable wage. I mean, and then to pair it with this, this anchor uh, of a uh, policy is just, you know, if the supporters of this bill thought, think it's such a good idea, just, just run it by itself and, and see how much support it gets. Uh, Kansans are proud and, and invested in their public schools, and there is no reason for uh, Kansas to go down this path of uh, using public dollars uh, for private schools. And other states are getting, uh, are understanding this. Very conservative red states, South Dakota, Idaho, rejected this kind of plan. Uh, in Texas, a very red, another very red state, there is a lot of opposition to this plan from all political stripes. I mean, it's it's it, it is just it is protecting our public schools, which are the foundation of our communities, which is at stake here. Well, yeah, let's not forget, you know, in 2022, we had um, the graduation high school graduation rate for Kansas uh, kids was eighty nine point one percent. That's that's an all time high. And, you know, we've had even with groups such as uh, kids who qualify for free and reduced lunch, students with disabilities, students with um, limited English language proficiency, all of those high school graduation rates have reached an all-time high last year. That's in 2022. And, you know, also last year, we had 46,000 kids participate in some kind of work-based work learning experience, like, a you know, an internship or a job shadowing. And we had more than 85,000 kids enrolled in some kind of career in tech ed class, you know, welding, uh, uh, you know, CAD, uh, um, teacher prep, 
you know, uh, culinary arts. I mean, we are preparing kids for the economy of the future. And uh, we don't, you know, we shouldn't be funneling money away from those kids and the schools that serve them. So, so uh, that's your advocacy homework for the weekend. And uh, let's get out there, everybody, and uh, support our public schools. So what else happened this week in the legislature? Scott, you want to bring us up to date on some stuff? Sure, I'll just talk about it. Uh, uh, the, uh, the, the legislature did send some bills to uh, Governor Laura Kelly uh, that are fairly, well, very controversial. Uh, one of those was um, uh, a ban on transgender females uh, participating in girls and women's sports. Uh, this bill has been passed, I believe, two times before, and Governor Kelly has vetoed it two times before and her veto has been sustained. Well, there have been a, a few changes in the legislature. And uh, so the whole um, uh, focus now is the governor will probably veto this bill. And so the whole focus becomes whether the House and Senate uh, can muster up the two thirds majorities that would be needed to overturn the veto, which of course is what supporters of this bill wants. Uh, it's gonna be close. Uh, I believe the, the uh, transgender ban came out of the Senate with 28 votes, so that's one above the 27 that would be required there. Uh, it came out of the House with 82 votes, that's three votes short of what would be required there to overturn a veto, but there were some members uh, who were either absent or not voting uh, at the time uh, that that vote was taken, so it's, uh, it's going to be close, and we'll just have to see how that works out. So let's review for folks uh, KSB's position on this transgender athletes bill. Our members instructed us that our position is that the Kansas State High School Activities Association, KSHA, has the pr procedures and policies in place to address student participation in athletics and activities. And so we oppose that bill because our members have told us Keisha has the authority and the responsibility over this and the legislature need not get involved in the issue. There was another bill uh, that has passed also uh, before and been vetoed, uh, John, that has to do with uh, firearm safety. Uh, you want to brief us on that? Yeah, so it was a bill. They There are two versions floating around. The Senate passed a version of it uh, right before turnaround, I believe. Um, but the House passed their own version of the bill. I believe it's identical. Um, and so they final action that yesterday it, it would just uh, it has the state board of education standardized firearm training based off the nra's eddie eagle program um for some grades and then uh there's a, i can't remember what the exact term but it's from a uh the kansas department of wildlife um they all yeah, program for the higher grades um and so the state board standardizes it and um, it's not a mandate. It's still optional. Um, if a school, you know, if a local school board wants to adopt a firearm uh, training course, then uh, it would be based kind of off that curriculum that is formed by the state board. Okay, Scott, you testified uh, yesterday in the Senate Education Committee on a bill. Tell us about that. So this is a bill that deals with uh, parental rights. Uh, this is an issue that has been talked about on the state level for several years and is even being talked about in Congress, uh, a federal bill uh, dealing with uh, parental 
uh, rights when it comes to their interactions with schools. Uh, we testified uh, in opposition of this bill. Uh, we support parents' rights. I mean, we are ASB and our members are all about uh, interacting with parents and having building partnerships with parents and communities. Uh, all Most of our school board members are parents and they've had kids that have gone through the public school system or are currently in the public school system. And that's probably why a lot of them uh, get involved with school boards. So we, uh, we welcome parental involvement. We welcome community partnerships. The problem we found with this bill is that it would allow um, a parent to pull their child from coursework, but it it and then it said and the and the uh, child would not suffer any kind of adverse grade. I guess is is the simple way of saying it. So we wanted to make sure that the student had an alternative or has an alternative. So say say they don't want to read a certain book. Well, we want to make sure that the student has the alternative to to read uh, uh, another book and, and be part of that co coursework. So we, uh, we provided some uh, language uh, just to kind of tighten that down a bit. And uh, we'll see how, if the committee accepts that or not. Uh, you know, there was, you know, there's comments from committee members that there's a lot of, they seem to think uh, that there are some problems uh, in communications between school boards and parents. And I think it's fair to say that, uh, you know, we do not live in a perfect world. And uh, there are times when uh, uh, parents get crossways with school boards and it's gonna happen. I, I just think it's human nature. And, but schools have policies in place that allow parents to challenge textbooks, materials, courses, uh, there are there are the there are very uh, uh, defined processes where you can, as a parent, you can challenge a book or a course, and it kind of goes up the up the chain, and uh, you know you will get your your day in court, so to say, so to speak. So uh, I think um, again, I, you know, we kind of believe this is the legislature trying to put a one size fits all. Uh, solution to on our districts, which I mean, our districts are so varied and so diverse, and and have such different uh, uh, challenges that we just think that, that it is difficult to do this. Yep, good summary, Scott. Thank you. So as we draw to the end of our podcast, let's just uh, remember everybody, uh, contact your legislature, your member of the legislature this weekend, talk about the ESA voucher bill that also includes special ed funding and teacher raises. Uh, make sure you pay attention to our social media uh, this weekend for more tips and, and uh, materials about advocating. And um, uh, let's see, Scott or John, anything else I need to bring up for the good of the order before we sign off? No, I'll just update. Uh, we know the budget will be worked next week. Um, so just That's keep right. an eye out on social media. Um, as that comes out of the House K-12 Education Budget Committee uh, on Monday, we expect. Yeah, good reminder, John. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks again to our producer, Alec Madrigal, and to Scott Rothschild and John Ford. It's been great talking to you all on the Advocate Podcast, and we'll talk to you again next week.